0: yes we're going to turn to uh, Luke chapter 9 which we will eventually look at Luke chapter 9 and we'll have a look at that in, in a moment Luke chapter 9. I, I've been thinking recently uh, about a booklet, I saw the title of a booklet ages ago and it was called Woolen and Linen. Woolen and Linen. And that has been on my mind for a long time, this, this whole concept of, of woolen and linen. And I think we're going to do, I, I eventually got my hands on this little booklet and I, I was, have been reading it. And on the basis of that, I thought we'd do a little, a few, a few Sundays perhaps, on the thoughts behind the reason of woolen and linen in scripture. If you go right back to Deuteronomy, go go way back to Deuteronomy chapter 22, you'll see the 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 concept of this and why uh, woolen and linen uh, is important. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 8 When thou buildest a new house Then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house if any man fall from thence. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, seeds, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen interesting verses those I, I, was, I was looking at them in the light of modern uh, aspects and I thought you know when thou buildest a new house you have to put a power round it health and safety it was to the fore. It's all to the fore on building sites these days. But here it was at the very start of the, the Israelites' uh, residence in the Promised Land. When you build a house, put a battlement around it so that the people don't fall off it. And you bring death upon thine house. Health and safety. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, lest the fruit of thy seeds which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. When to mix all these things so that there would be a, a, the crops would be defiled. And we have all this talk now about genetically modified seeds and all this pollen which is drifting across from one to another. God had it all sorted out here in Scripture. And thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together, because it was, apart from the fact that it wasn't fair on one of the animals, because the the yoke was all twisted and all, it was bringing out a point that you were to not mix things, don't mix things. And then a very obvious one, thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts, as of woolen and linen. It was a clear If you violated that order or command of God, it was very obvious. If you had a a, a jacket made of wool and linen. So in our public life, we were to show separation. Clear, obvious separation. The Bible constantly speaks of separation. Israel's sin, throughout its generations, was that it constantly went against God's reiteration always to separate from the nations round about keep yourselves separate you're a chosen people you're my people keep away and they didn't and they were being constantly led astray and you know we go move into the New Testament the message is exactly the same to the Christians to keep away from worldly things What does it say in Corinthians? Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. The message is the same as in the Old Testament those who are God's people have to keep themselves unspotted from the world. Jesus in John 17 17 says sanctify those people his, his disciples, he's praying for them and he's not only praying for his disciples he's praying for you and he's praying for me he says that in this high priestly prayer, this is the Lord's prayer this is the real Lord's prayer John 17 sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth sanctify, separate them, keep them holy not holier than thou but holy sanctified separated from the world sanctify them and how are we sanctified we're sanctified through the word of God thy word is truth and if we follow the word of God then we will be sanctified through that word as thou hast sent me into the world even so have I also sent them into the world he's sending his disciples he's sending you and me into the world, not to be isolated from the world, but we have to be insulated from the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. He kept himself holy. He was without sin. He he lived in the world, but he was separate from the world. And then he says, for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth sanctification and separation from the world without the truth is an impossibility we can only do it through the truth and who is the truth Jesus said I am the way I am the truth I am the life the problem today seems to me that Christians have somehow lost the ability to discern what is the truth that's the problem how do we discern and even when they have, by the Holy Spirit, been given an insight into some error, and shown the truth of God's word, then they, they don't have the backbone to separate themselves from that error. They are prepared to go along with it. We like to wear coats of wool and linen. We don't want to separate You see when i was thinking about this yesterday our lord said the christian pathway was a narrow pathway and we can't get that into our heads somehow we like to think in some way it has to be a broad pathway but it'll never be a broad pathway jesus said enter in at the straight gate the narrow gate for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Those are frightening words. Few there be that find it. Do we really believe that the words of Jesus do we believe them or are we happier to think that things have somehow changed since he said them and since he walked upon this earth that he didn't realize that all the churches would in the future want to get together did he not realize that and was what he said incorrect They want to all come together in one banner. But unless they are all under one banner of truth. There's no point. It's just as Jesus said. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. Did he know that things were going to get worse? He did. Matthew 24, 12 he says. And because iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold he says it's going to be, the situation is going to be that iniquity will abound and it was bad enough in his day but he said it was going to get worse Luke 17 he spoke and he said as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man then they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone. The days of Noah and the days of Lot. The difference between those two uh, descriptions of the the, the period between Noah and and Lot is that they, they married wives in Noah's day but in Lot's day it doesn't say anything about marrying wives this was predicting the, the, the rise in homosexuality which is in the world today Brimstone came down from heaven and destroyed them all even thus shall it be in the days when the son of man is revealed and when God destroyed this earth by flood in all the earth and this is very sobering if we really think of it God looked down and he only found eight people, eight people in the whole earth that he could save because of their righteousness. Eight people. And he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. Do we really believe this, that things are getting worse? are like the Kingdom now people and and these people they think they're going to put the whole world to rights before Jesus comes back directly against what God is saying here we were reminded a few Sundays ago when the chap was speaking that this separation and it's not a case of being narrow-minded I've been coming more and more around to the feeling that there are so many of the churches around with which we cannot have fellowship. We always think, oh, get away from the Mormons and get away from the Jehovah's Witnesses and all those. But there are other churches teaching doctrines which are not in accord with the Word of God. And I, I get a magazine every now and again called Reform Witness and it's very Reformed it got a lot of Calvin's teaching and they always they, when you pick up any of these magazines from the Reformed uh, camp they nearly always mention Augustine and a lot of these fellows basing their, their thoughts on what they say rather than what the word of God says and they have a thing called uh, what is it limited atonement is that what they call it? but in any case they don't believe in universal atonement and here's an article that this chap had written if Christ did not pray for the ungodly world is it possible that he died for the ungodly world Moreover, Christ prays on the basis of his work of redemption therefore if Christ did not pray for the reprobate world it is because he did not purchase salvation for them Christ's prayers and atonement are not only particular For them which thou hast given me, but also exclusive, not for the world. That's what these guys are preaching. That Christ did not die for the sins of the whole world, that it was a selected number of people that he died for. How can we have fellowship with a, a group of people that believe that type of doctrine? I think we're you don't want to become narrow, but if if, if they are preaching a doctrine which is not according to Scripture, that Christ died, and that that he wants all men everywhere to to repent and commands them to to repent, then we have become so narrow in in, in that selection, that it's only those who are elect will be saved. But there again, let's just leave that... there's another teaching and I, I've mentioned this before uh, that, that the, 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 these creeds which, which we say uh, which are said every Sunday in churches that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ of God uh, the great white throne we'll all be presented before the, the, the great white throne everybody will stand before the great white throne we won't stand before the great white throne those who are saved are in heaven and we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ as we said at the very beginning we will not stand at the great white throne to be judged and then it goes on to say the creeds and those who have done good will go to heaven and those who are not will be sent to hell if, if you read the, 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 the picture of the great white throne in Revelation, that's, that's a wrong picture of it, we will not stand you mean to tell me that the apostle Paul will be standing there beside me at the great white throne It gives a, it gives great openings for praying for the dead if you believe that If you believe that that, that Paul and those people will stand before the Great White Throne you can have an idea why people want to pray for them. But after death the judgment, for the wicked and for the sinless, for those who have sinned, but those who have not accepted Christ, they will go down to the Great White Throne. That is the sad thing about it. But those who die believing in the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse them from all sin will go to be with him in glory but there we are it's it's these twisted things that we need to separate ourselves from we need to look into what is the root of these teachings and examine them in the light of scripture James three eleven and 12 says doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter can the fig tree my brethren bear olive berries either a vine figs so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water there has to be a separation beware of coats of mixed materials beware of those who take on all the promises of to israel saying that they apply to the church and that the church the bride of christ has replaced israel all these things Israel is still God's earthly people the church the bride is God's heavenly people one of the difficulties we all come against is that we have to seek to try and rightly divide the word of truth and that's the problem that's the difficulty how do we how do we rightly divide the word of truth unless the Holy Spirit guides us we cannot divide it Ourselves. If we do, we we'll get very unequal pieces. Now, let's go to that passage in Luke. Having said all that, and this is going to take a few weeks, maybe. Let's look at Luke chapter nine and fifty-two. And this is all leading up to this little series we're going to do on woolen and linen. And we're going to look at various people in Scripture who wore coats of wool and linen. Luke chapter 9 and verse 52. verse 51 it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him and they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem and when his disciples James and John saw this they said Lord wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did but he turned and rebuked them and said ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of for the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives but to save them and they went to another village the story that the disciples sort of referred to I don't know whether you're aware of it but if you go to 2nd Kings the first chapter of 2nd Kings we have the story that they referred to when they were talking about should they destroy these people who had they believed, insulted the Lord Jesus Uh, 2nd Kings chapter 1 there was a king called Ahaziah and he had fallen out through a window and damaged himself and was was ill and he was sick and here was a, a, a king of Israel who had hurt himself but he got some of his men he sent these messengers and said unto them go inquire of Baal Zebub, Lord of the Flies actually the, the translation is that I believe the God of Ekron whether I shall recover of this disease it just shows you how far Israel had strayed away by mixing uh, the coats here they had gone so far away that here was a king of Israel asking his men to go to this heathen God to inquire whether he would recover from his disease or not. But the men met Elijah on the way. The angel of God had said to Elijah, go and meet these men because they're going to go to inquire of the heathen priests whether the king of Israel was going to recover or not. and he said to them is there no prophet of God is there not even a God in Israel that you're going to inquire of the Lord of the flies and Ekron these heathens had gods of various things and this was with the gods in charge of the flies for some reason now therefore thus said the Lord tell him he's not going to recover and he'll die and Elijah departed, and the fellows were left standing there well they said there's no point in going down to to Ekron we might as well go back and tell the king what has happened so they went back and they told the king and he says "Why why are you back you couldn't have been to Ekron yet oh we met this man he said and he said that you're going to die and he said what was he like what did he look like he was a hairy man, <laughs> and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. There was no doubting the kind of coat that Elijah was wearing. He had this shaggy coat, leather coat made out of rough skins, He's probably hairy as well himself, but his coat was girt around with a big lump of leather and the king said it is Elijah the Tishbite he recognized him he wasn't wearing a coat of linen and and wool he knew what to expect when you met Elijah do people know what to expect when they meet us or are they meeting people who are wearing coats of mixed materials he goes on the story he he sent 50 men and Elijah wasn't hiding he went up and sat sat on a rock on top of a hill so that they'd find him the king sent these men, fifty men and uh, the man of God the king hath said come down the the, the man, the the king says come down quite arrogant probably, they had fifty men and they were going to take him Elijah answered and said if I be a man of God let then fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men and fire came down from heaven and consumed them (laughs) the king heard this he sent another 50 the same thing happened fire came down from heaven and consumed them and then he sent the third group but they were beginning to catch on that this was uh, a kind of bad mission to be sent on and they pleaded with Elijah I pray thee let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight behold there came fire from heaven and burnt up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties therefore let my life now be precious in thy sight the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah go down with them Uh, be not afraid and he arose and went down and spoke to the king and said you weren't going to recover and the king died. Now Elijah at this time was about to be taken up into heaven it was soon in the next chapter Elijah is taken up to heaven he goes through various cities and towns and eventually he goes up to heaven in the Whirlpool and that's the story going back to Luke that's the story that the disciples had in mind when this thing happened to the Lord Jesus. It says if you look at verse 52 that uh, the time had come when he should be received up. All, all the, the picture as far as the uh, disciples were, could, could read it was a very similar situation that has happened to Elijah, right they thought it was a perfect analogy showing how to react in this particular situation in which they found themselves and just by the way Elijah John the Baptist it says came in the spirit of Elijah and there was never any doubt as to what John the Baptist spoke about or talked about and he wore a very similar coat to elijah he didn't wear a coat of mixed materials just just by the way i have a little note about that here jesus was uh, uh, his time was approaching and so he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and the disciples were obviously infected with the solemnness and the the uh, dignity of the situation in which they found themselves and Jesus had sent some of them to go on ahead and prepare for where to stay and get some food ready and things like that and he sent these messengers it said and the word messenger is the same word that is used elsewhere for angels now it was the disciples he sent in this particular case but He was sending them, an angel is a messenger of God. But he sent them as messengers from him to prepare. And you know, we are messengers. God has sent us out into the world as messengers to prepare people for the future. That's why we are sent out into the world. And are we as angels going out into the world? We are messengers of God sent out into the world now we may be rebuffed we may find it difficult as the disciples found it and these people actually rejected the Lord Jesus as well but because the Lord Jesus had been rejected the disciples felt it they had this righteous anger and you'll say well that's the way it should be and they said they had faith too. They had wonderful faith. Because they believed that they could do what Elijah had done. They believed it. And they said to Jesus, they remember the story that we read in, in, in Kings, how Elijah had called call down fire on these people. They said, we'll do the same here. Let us call down fire and wipe these fellows off. but Jesus turned and rebuked them he rebuked them he said ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of why did Jesus say that to them? because they were zealous they had the right idea and he gave this reason verse 56 he says the son of man is not come to destroy man's lives but to save them the disciples were thinking on these lines when Elijah felt that his God had been insulted he brought fire from heaven and consumed the guilty surely we have a precedent in scripture for doing exactly the same thing there's a wonderful analogy there that we should do exactly what Elijah had done but you see and this is where the problem is they were not rightly dividing the word of truth even though they did it from a right motive out of love for Jesus yet Jesus said to them ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of they were out of sync with their dispensations and with their times the time and moment in which they were living had changed from the times when Elijah was living a new dispensation had dawned the the dispensation of grace the pathway of the way the Christ was treading as he made his way to glory was not through judgement of the world at this particular time and it is still not that particular time. The disciples did not know and had not grasped the truth this truth that we are living in a different age than when Elijah lived in. We are now living in the age of grace we are living in the time when Jesus said I have come into the world to save men, not to judge the world our duty your duty and my duty is not the judgment of the world but it's it's surrender surrender of the world we are not of this world not self vindication but self renunciation we have to renounce anything that is worldly within us that wants to to, to bring judgment on the world that's not our job they wrongly assumed that that which had gotten the way of the master should be cast aside and should be destroyed morality seemed to be on their side but it was a natural thing that was a natural thought get rid of those people who are trying to stop the spread of the gospel wipe them out they were in fact taking the Lord Jesus out of the age of grace and trying to put him back or forward into the age of judgment I'm sure we've all felt that. If we've watched programs on television. Or heard men speak. And and, and defile the Bible. And blaspheme God. We say why doesn't God wipe that person out? Why doesn't he just give him a heart attack? Mm -hmm. We've all thought like that. But Jesus said. He has come into the world to save the world. not at this stage to bring judgment on the world. That will come. That will come. The age will change. And that age will be ushered in. I said here, the day will come when judgment will again be the spirit of the time. When the day of grace has passed. If you go to Revelation chapter 11, there's a story there. About two witnesses who will tread the earth. And one of those witnesses will probably, generally accepted, that one of those will be Elijah. And they will perform great things. And they will be killed. They will lie dead for three days is (laughs) it gone? Three days is it they are going to lie dead? I think it's three days and there will be great rejoicing. But then they'll be taken up to glory and there'll be earthquakes and people will be, lots of people will be wiped out. And that day will come when God will act in judgment. Through Elijah in that particular case. The same Elijah that brought down fire and brimstone on the people, those 50 men on two occasions. That same situation will arise again in Revelation chapter 11. But now we're in the age of grace Jesus has come and he took upon him the form of a servant he allowed himself to be crucified by his creation he came unto his own and his own received him not they crucified him he suffered abuse he suffered rejection and that is the pathway that he has called you and me to follow not one of judgment of this world as it was with him so it is with the church his bride we too will suffer we too will suffer rejection but our job is not the judgment of this world our job is to tell forth the message of love that Jesus came into the world to save sinners You know, the, the parable of the tares. They let the tares grow with the wheat. Oh yes, they thought to go and rip all the, 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 the tares out. That is not our job. Our job is to preach the gospel. Tell people that God loves them. Tell people that there's a, there's a judgment coming. ours is not the judgment of the world ours is to preach the grace of God you know this wrong teaching has permeated the church small c (laughs) throughout the generations with the crusades we'll go and we'll sort all those pagans out in the east apartheid all comes from this type of thinking that it is our job to Sort out the world. It's not our job to sort out the world. Our job is to preach a message of love and peace and coming judgment. And it has done so much to the, 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 the reputation of true Christian witness, the, 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 the error of going the other way and thinking that we have the job to do is to put the world to rights. Let the tares grow with the wheat until the day of judgment. But you see Jesus said, what did he say to them? You know not what manner of spirit ye are of. We have to have the mind of Christ. The disciples at that particular time we're doing something which each one of us from our natural situation would do they're they're affecting our Lord wipe them out no he says you have to know you have to have my mind in this situation you have to have the mind of Christ in order that we may rightly divide up the word of truth it's a very difficult thing may we all seek to live our lives so that we know the manner of what spirit we are of that we have the mind of Christ in each situation and that any natural and human and moral even principle that we think is right may take second place or be wiped out of our thoughts and that only what Christ would do in any situation and we live by that principle I hope that was clear. Sometimes I wonder if it's even clear to me sometimes when I finish. But I hope it was. To you. (laughs) Thank you.